this is a Soulfire production. my god oh we are back motherfuckers i know what a hiatus oh can i just say i really miss doing this with you yeah me too i know you said that to me and i was actually shocked you said i miss okay babe i'm really excited for it to come back i know why'd you miss it so much well things were so fucking crazy and then we weren't doing anything and just stressed out all the time it wasn't like that fun to talk about our i think the last thing the world needed was more people talking about how stressed out they are all the time yeah (laughs) when we started getting into uh the coco talk every episode i was like this has to end (laughs) yeah i was like okay we need to take a brief hiatus and then we'll go and then i just went fully on full on down the rabbit hole and you do your thing and you're straight crushing so i know but why did you miss it why what about it i always i always loved doing it it just became the world around us became inconvenient for our content production i know that still doesn't answer my question what is it about this show that you like Uh, well i just this I don't know. Why are you putting me on the spot, Kelly? I I just enjoy doing it. (laughs) Okay. Well, can I say why I missed it? Yes, please do. Because I think that you actually agree with this. You just don't verbalize it well. Um, We have really amazing conversations with each other on the show that we wouldn't necessarily have normally. And it really, I don't know. I feel like this space, for whatever reason, when we're in the studio and we put the headsets on and turn on the mics and hit record, something happens where we feel comfortable to have hard conversations or bring things up. And I mean, listeners know how many times did I say last year? Well, I haven't told you this yet, but it's just a blend of narcissism and voyeurism. Oh my God. All culminating in one place (laughs) under the guise of personal development. True, true. Or whatever this is. I don't know. I just feel like we made a lot of, um, we had a lot of growth and experienced a lot of things in recording this together. And I think it was really good for our relationship, even though Multiple times shows never went live because I was crying and Connor was yelling or vice versa. You make it sound like I yell at you a lot. (laughs) He doesn't yell at me. I mean, I do yell at you a lot, but not like. You don't actually yell at me. Yeah. I mean, I I think I yell more. Yeah, you yell more than I do. I get frustrated and my voice raises, but. I I yell at you from the studio when I'm down here all day. Hey, come look at this. Um, No, but I feel like. Even the shows that never made air were super important moments for us in recording. And so all that being said, I'm just really glad this is back because as much as I think we do this for our community who we love so much, thank you guys for being here. It's really I think all about we us. do this for our own growth and just being able to talk things out, which is super Here's the difference cool. in us and most people that talk about personal development type stuff. We're not going to pretend that this isn't about us. <laughs> okay. Like, like if you think that the, 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 the person that, you know, everybody has an idea right now, everybody's put someone in their head that does personal development stuff on social media. It's not about you, my friend. It is about that person. <laughs> I, I would like to disagree in a lot of ways. No, no, no. There are people that there are other types of people, but everyone can pick one out that fits the, fits oh, the profile. I see what you're saying. You I was, see what I'm saying? I was going to say, I feel like. Pretty much everything I do is for my community, but okay. Yes. No, I, I learn yeah. alongside of them. Yes. Um, so we didn't have a plan for this show on purpose because, um, the year two zero two zero was a fucking bonker shit show and continues into 21. So I think we should just ramble a little bit about what the last six months has been like for us as we have transitioned into what I am calling new energy, not a new year New energy. and, um, 
<laughs> I will continue to bring my woo-woo-ness and Connor will continue to bring his assholeness. <laughs> but I think we should give people an update on what the last kind of, I don't know, six months has been for us because we've shared on our personal Instagrams of what's going on, but we, I don't think we've given them a ton of insight. So where do you want to start? What are we, ha- what in the last six months, a lot has changed in the last six months. Oh, I mean, since COVID and all that stuff, like my entire life has changed substantially. <laughs> so it's, it's weird to see. I do feel like it gave me an opportunity to do something I've wanted to do for a long time. And there was a lot of risk associated, but because of the way that we had have things structured in our lives, that it was, it was a cool opportunity and it was really exciting for me to, to shift I mean, my entire focus and then, you know, lose a bunch of followers, which I absolutely should lose a bunch of followers because I said, Hey, like I'm going to do something different now. So, you know, that was a whole thing. And then start getting recognized for doing something different and enjoying that even more and being like kind of revitalized in in the way that I like do my job, which has been really cool. And then, and then, Soulfire has been doing so great and it feels really nice to be providing like a tangible value to people and be able to see that in the numbers on their podcast or the way that their, you know, their community engages them. Like that's been really, really cool too. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a cool place to start because this is something I think a lot of people can relate with, especially in partnership or maybe friends or roommates or whatever. But the drastic transformation that you went through over the last year in your career definitely takes a toll and did rock the boat for us a little bit. Um, because when I first met you, I met you because you were doing podcasts on ayahuasca. That's how I was introduced to you. And so you were so far in the personal development, spiritual coaching, dating space. And that's the Connor that I met and fell in love with. And a less than a year in you completely veered off that path, let so much of that go. And we're like, I'm doing politics and culturally, culturally relevant conversations and started a new podcast around it. And then of course the world's been on fire. So it went like really hard, really fast. And so I would love for you to explain a little bit more about your personal experience in like making such a like drastic change in your career and just your thought process there. And then I want to give my input. <laughs> of course <you> do. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think it's, it, um, I understand that from the outside looking in, like what I do now versus what I did two years ago, because the podcast that you listened to, it was me and Kingsbury, Kyle Kingsbury, correct? No. It wasn't. Or maybe it was. I listened to like five of them. Okay. So they, they, they had been done. Okay, so they had been very in distances. Like there was a year. There was one with Kristen and Mike Salemi. Yeah, when we were actually at Soltar. Yeah. Okay. So that was a cool one because we did those after each ceremony, whenever we could like get our shit together. One of them took, we did it like a whole day later because we were so shook up. Um, Those were really fun. And it was a really important part of my life. But I don't look at what I do that much differently. I actually feel like I feel more motivated in this because the content, especially after 2020 and everything that's happening now, is like never ending. I like don't have to sit here and like, I don't have to go read another Eckhart Tolle book or like find like some other niche and within like psychology or personal growth that I need want to understand. I was actually kind of burned out on it. I was like, okay, I like I'm reading the same book by a different author 14 times and it's kind of getting a little bit redundant. And there's this kind of never ending spiritual rabbit hole that you can go down that I never felt any interest in going down. I was like, this doesn't, this, it just doesn't seem what I always did felt much more grounded. And it was like, from coaching, I would 
look at someone, someone's life, look at their life experience through their lens, right? Because I didn't live their life with them. See where they're held up, draw correlations between what they've experienced and what they believe and where they're held up in life. And then make behavioral adjustments based upon that. It wasn't like this. It may have, there were, and some of those spiritual, or some of those adjustments in life might have been spiritual in nature. It might have been Kundalini yoga. It might have been a meditation practice. It might have been, you know, masturbation. (laughs) Masturbation, right? Maybe going to do ayahuasca. That's something they feel called to do. So there was a, but I didn't limit myself to spiritual solutions to real, real world problems. Right. Sometimes that wasn't necessarily the the path that I went down. So it wasn't like I was super ethereal in the way that I function. And one thing that I've, if I've, there's a strength that I have, it's pattern recognition, just understanding complex processes, which is something I've really enjoyed and like making those simple. That's something I did growing up. That's something I did as a, as a weightlifting coach. Like it's, it's all to me, it all, when you put the dots together going backwards, it makes total sense. Mm -hmm. And then when I started doing that, but I'd all, I'd been politically kind of engaged, more politically engaged because my political beliefs had like turned upside down. Right. In 2015. And there was, I was pretty disengaged from like. In college, I mean, I saw, I mean, the last president I voted for in a, in a primary up until Biden, which, ugh, but different show for that. Yeah. Different you can show go over for to that. Connor Wanders but for the, that. I, was, was, was John McCain in college and I had watched Obama speak at my campus and was super fascinated with the guy, but I had had these like conservative Texas values that I'd grown up with and through leaving the church, reevaluating my value system, like basically growing up, you know, through my twenties, then started to see and that combined with like my parents and addiction issues and what I'd seen in my life, like it just gave me this really diverse kind of view I felt of, of the cultural landscape of the world. And then whenever COVID happened, you know, so 2015 to 2020, I'm like in, involved. And you, you, once the election started heating up, you started seeing how much more I was involved in that. Like how much I actually cared about it. I didn't speak about it very much, mm-hmm. but I would learn and, and I would, I was kind of into it. And then when COVID happened, I was like, okay, well, my coaching business, which is heavily reliant on social interactions, does not exist anymore. I don't even feel, I feel out of integrity even marketing this thing. Because if you can't go on dates, if you can't go to the office, if you can't be around people for God knows how long, right? Two weeks to flatten the curve as if that was, that was a cute idea, right? So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to put a hold on this. And then after a couple months, I'm like, this just isn't going to this isn't going to be a thing anymore. Like what I do, I have to either re- I have to completely redesign what I do coaching wise, or I can just go do something else. And, and at that point I had Connor Wanders going and it was actually going really well. It was popping off like on social media. I was getting feedback that like one was very fulfilling to me that it was resonating with people. And two, just, it, it was disproportionately more effective at getting across a message than what I was doing, talking about personal development and stuff. And the, the market's not very saturated for people who are aggressively independent and want to like analyze things and talk about human behavior science alongside politics and cultural kind of phenomenon. So it's, it was, it was, to me, it doesn't seem that different. It's just, I get to be a, I kind of get to be a different person, which is actually more genuine to myself and not that my persona, whenever I was like a doing was when I was a coach was different. It was just, it, it, it was, I was resonating on a different level with people. And that was so I, I was a little bit, I presented myself in a way that would, you know, that would resonate. And now I get to really just like, you know, throw the boundaries off and just say whatever I want. And the funny thing is there's a growing audience for that because that is now the thing that isn't really allowed. And you've got to have this weird kind of skill to be able to even do it without getting 
shadow banned, which I've dealt with, or censored, or getting posts taken down, or getting now at this point, which is a slippery slope, getting kicked off of platforms. Yeah. You know, so there's people that are me, they're like on the on the political spectrum, like on the left that are going to places like Parlor because, well, I need a backup because at some point this thing can it gets pretty interesting. So it's been this really I started Connor Wanders just kind of make fun of political ads because I was jaded because of what they did to Bernie Sanders again. Right. How he got shafted out of it, out of the nomination twice. And so that's five years of my life that I'm invested into like this campaign, essentially. And now that's gone. Now I'm super bitter and frustrated and incredibly resentful of the Democratic Party. And I just went off. And it was like, because I was frustrated, it was one of those things where frustration and kind of a sense of anger were really beneficial because what I was saying was, my, it was like there was zero filter between my thoughts and my mouth, which is how I act most of the time. Like I keep myself in check. I'm not a complete piece of shit. <laughs> but that was very liberating for me. And the fact that it resonates with, that resonates with people like, and I've gotten overwhelming support just in the past couple of days. Um, it's, it really means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. And so I can say that I can't really say which, which, which like working with people one-on-one and doing that kind of work, like was super fulfilling and something I'm incredibly grateful for. But what that also did was give me a, a, like a, a different lens to view the world through. Like I've seen the world through so many people's experiences because I didn't need to doubt someone's experience, right? Like whatever you per, perceived trauma is trauma to someone, right? So if you can come into a space like that with a, it, with a non-judgmental kind of intention and, and hear someone out, I have a different perspective than most political commentators because I've worked with people one-on-one and gotten into very vulnerable situations with them and heard them out. And I, so I do feel like there's a point of me, a point in me where it's like, I'm, I'm, I feel qualified to speak about human behavior at a way that most people can't. A handful of people out there do it. Like Mark Manson does a great job and he did a very similar thing to me in that way where he can analyze the political landscape through the lens of human psychology and human behavior science uh, and spirituality to a point and give this kind of nuanced view of what's going on. It's like, here's how this side's wanting to manipulate you and here's how the other side wants to manipulate you. Just pointing those two things out, I feel like are much more important than telling somebody a bunch of different methods to love themselves, Mm. you know, which is a lot of times what, personal development is. It's like, how can, how can you tell someone that they matter and get them to believe it and get them to invest in the fact that they matter with your language? And people are saying the same thing in different ways. And that's why they resonate with different people. It's not that the message is different, right? It's like, you can talk about this with different religions are very similar, right? It's just, but which one resonates with you the most? That's probably going to be the one that is the most effective in your life. So yeah, it's been like a really fun situation of, of switching over and and the people that have come out of the woodworks and the people that are, will, will like cheer me on from the DMS, but never like post my stuff. <laughs> Those are my favorites. Cause I'm like, okay, like this person knows what their audience wants and needs. And maybe it's not what I provide, but they're getting value from it. And that really is, I'm, I'm super grateful for that. How many DMS and texts did I send you this morning from people in my community who are rallying around you who will not share your shit? Oh, and I, and I don't, I'm not, I'm, I'm not upset no, about it at all. An, I mean, I had a hard time sharing your stuff this morning. Because it's really outside of what I share and it's really like, I know it's going to piss people off. I shared it anyway, because I really agree and I love supporting you, but it is interesting to watch like so many of these people who I never would have expected to be like, yeah, Connor's fucking right all the way or just, you know, support you, but they don't share it publicly because there's so much backlash that could potentially come and they don't want to involve themselves in that, which I totally respect. I'm not like bashing on them, bashing, bashing, whatever on them at all. 
it's just interesting and you're, you're totally right. Yeah. It's funny. It's like, but every now and then I'll post something and I'll, I'll go into Kelly's office and be like, Hey, that thing I posted, don't share that. Yeah. Because there's a thing too. Like, there's a lot of pe- people feel a lot of pressure to like share their stance. Even if the consequences are, can be dire to them. You're like, you're putting yourself, like I'm asking for it, right? Come at me, give me shit. You know, tell me I'm wrong, right? The, the most, the favorite comments I get on YouTube videos or whatever it is, like iTunes reviews, DMs, comments, whatever, is I don't agree with everything you say. If somebody, and people will start, start with that all the time. I don't agree with everything you say. And I'm like, yeah. good. I don't agree with everything I say. Because I may say something and the fact that I like put it out and heard myself say it may give me a point of reflection. And I may change my mind on that, you know, in the next two weeks. And that happens all the time. And then I come and talk about that. I don't, I don't position myself with any kind of righteousness, mm-hmm. which I feel like is a problem when people, when you're convinced of your own righteousness, this is kind of this rabbit hole I've been going down. Like when you're convinced that you of your own righteousness, whether it's to the righteousness of your political party or your football team or whatever it is, you can justify doing some pretty fucked up shit. And you see that over and over again, right? There's somebody else, people that are convinced of their own righteousness are like cult leaders, right? Like the Nexium guy doesn't really believe he did anything wrong. Yeah. You know? Because he, I think he genuinely helped people a lot at the time. Yeah, it started out clean and then it got dirty. Yeah, but it was the, it was that rabbit hole that you go down when you're convinced that of your own righteousness, and that's a trip. So I try and keep myself in check there, right? It's it's an interesting interesting dialogue to have, but it's I appreciate when people know the boundaries that they need to stay within for their own audience as an influencer. Mm-hmm. I feel like put pressuring them to speak up about these things or share your shit. Or being upset when they don't is, is odd. You know, it's like, well, no, that's not, like, that, that's not what your, your audience is coming to you for, for something. And this probably ain't it. You know what I mean? But there are, I have my own community of people that are like, we're, we, we work together and do this thing and we, we challenge each other. And that's something I'm really grateful for and want more of. Because mm-hmm. that, that challenging, that friction, that like push and pull is something that is as divisive as the world may seem. We're divided on the wrong things. That's the, that's the interesting part. There needs to be divisiveness within the federal government. There needs to be divisiveness within relationships sometimes, but on the right things. Because pu- push and pull on things that are productive is, is beneficial to everyone. Push and pull on things that don't fucking matter, but you get told that they matter. That's nonsense, right? That's different than, than what, than what, and that, that's, that's where we're at. Mm-hmm. And so there's to be a voice, to be able to say that out loud is really something I, I enjoy doing. Yeah. So without this turning into a Connor Wanders episode, <laughs> I want to go back <laughs> because I would like to share my reflections and you can, you know, call me out if any of this is wrong, but I think it's been really, been really hard in this transition watching you, but it's also been amazing to witness because I feel like you have been trying to find your place in the world for a while. And I feel like after your gym, it was like the wanderer in you was like, do I belong here? Do I belong here? Where can I express myself? Where, where do I matter? Where am I important? Where does it feel right? Where does this resonate for me? And you were kind of like this lost soul, like nothing was making sense for you. And It was really hard when you like, you know, closed the chapter of coaching because one, that's how I knew you. So it felt weird to me, but two, it was like, there wasn't a lot of direction, but I kept coming back to within my body of like, 
I had this internal knowing, and I'm not going to say like called it, but like I had this internal knowing that this is what you were meant to be doing and talking about. And so even when like financially, we had to have a lot of hard conversations, like you're not doing what you were doing and there is a pandemic happening and people are spending money differently. And how are we like going to make money? And Soulfire is not really doing anything yet. And how are we going to navigate that? That was part of it. But the other part was I just kept coming back to this feels right and it feels right for him and it feels right to support him in this. And I don't know where it's going and I don't know what's going to become, but there is a, there is a fire in him unlike anything I've ever seen. And it is my role to support him in this. And that was my dialogue every single day. Every time I was like, what the fuck is he doing down there? Or you would talk to me about something that I knew nothing about. Cause I don't <laughs> go down the rabbit hole. And I would be like, this makes no sense to me, but he has so much passion and knowing and like energy in this that I, I could not dim it. I could not turn it down. And now I'm so glad that I listened to that. And I'm so glad you listened to yourself and trusted yourself, even when things were scary, like getting shadow banned or like not knowing where you were going to make money or what is this going to become? And it's so funny to see now, and it's not like you've like blown up to this like mega influencer, or like have the biggest podcast in the world, but you see that the consistency and the more you just keep answering the call and the more you trust yourself and the more you push the boundaries, the more it grows and the more it resonates and the more people seem to be positively impacted by the work. And so it's, it's really cool to have seen you impacted so many people, including myself before we had ever met each other with the personal development and the coaching and the plant medicine and spirituality, which you still carry with you. But to see this like new expression of yourself in this space, it's been amazing to watch. <laughs> and I'm really proud of you to have taken that leap, especially during such a scary unknown time. And it, I really commend you and respect that about you because had you stayed in, in that box that you knew, you wouldn't have tapped into this. And so I think it's, it's really cool for you ha to have had some faith and gone for it and just continue to pursue even in moments of doubt or questioning or like, what the fuck is this? And is this stupid? Am I wasting my time? So I just wanted to reflect that back to you. Well, I think that speaks a lot. First off, thank you. I received that. Um, <laughs> See, he's still woo-woo, guys. I I've never, that's the first time I've ever said that I'm in my sure. life. <laughs> um, no, but I think that speaks a lot to your intuition because it was hard. Like, in this, 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 it can be, this is a transparency podcast. Like, Soulfire wasn't paying us yet. All the money was going back into the business, but it was doing well. It was like, there was, like, it was going in the right direction mm -hmm. and going in, like, it was moving quickly. Yeah. And it was interesting. I had to take unemployment insurance, which was there for people like me who lost their income. It's like that, that wasn't my fault. So that was, that helped a little bit um, for like, what was that like two months or something like that. And then soul fire started doing well. So it was just kind of like the, the funny thing was that I always, I tripped out about is because I got myself because soul fire is, is, is such a cool business. And I think we did an amazing job putting that together. And I really like the way that it functions, but it was so since so many people in there are into the same shit, like it's kind of this, like, it's mostly like some kind of personal development network, which is great. And that, mm -hmm. that's great for the audience because the audience gets to know like, oh, so far, whenever they can bring up a new, a new show, it's something, if I'm interested in the Kelly show, I'll be interested in this. Right. Mm -hmm. And maybe I'm an outlier in there, but that's okay. But because I 
broke off into a different, I had, I didn't anticipate this, but because I broke off into a different world, I saw a different world of how creators work and how yes. creators function and was able to bring that back to Soulfire, which has made our, made us more money has made our creators more money, giving them more access because they're modeling themselves over like maybe a Rachel Hollis or somebody like that. Who's like well-known in the space, you know, but they haven't looked at like, what does Jimmy Dore do, right, to make his money? He's a comedian and he does a podcast. So where does his money come from? What's Tim Dillon doing? Yeah, what's right? this whole Patreon world? Yeah, how yeah. does that work? And how can that? How can what they do and how they survive, right? Comedians and different podcasters and stuff, and even people that do like, like conspiracy commentary and shit like that. Like, where are they? They're all making, you know, they're they're surviving on this content creation. We don't ever, we never infuse that into our business model. And we don't do it. We can provide a better value to our listeners and a higher quality experience. And that all was due to me going and doing something different and just seeing how other people function and what the, like the economics of, of content creation in a different niche. And I think that's been something that's also like, we didn't anticipate that at all. Right. Like your Patreon community, if I didn't never do this, you would not have the Onyx. No, like it just wouldn't be a thing. And yeah. that's not like I have to take credit for that, but it was like an idea that came from a wandering essentially and throwing yourself, I think there's, you know, love Jordan Peterson or hate Jordan Peterson. He's very on point with this idea that there needs to be a balance of stability and chaos in your life. And I think being in a relationship has always scared me because of the like overstability. And that's not something I'm comfortable with. Not even something that I even want to live in. Right. Because you got to think like kids, chaos, dating, chaos, new businesses, chaos, like all that stuff. So you need some kind of like grounded place to land. And I think you provide the consistency and stability, even though you had a crazy fucking year, like the craziest year of all last year, um, you provided enough stability and like you were consistent in the way you showed up in the relationship and where your boundaries are and like what we, we created here. So that gave me the ability to go into more chaos than I had been able to do previously because I was relying on myself and I had to provide. And it's hard to like go do a new thing when you're relied on, relying on getting a client every month or two clients every month to survive. And so that really opened the possibilities up for me, but you had to kind of hold steady while I was in like chaos mode. And then all the stuff that happened over your 2020 that were unexpected and, and wild, you know? So I mean, kudos to you for being able to hold, be a resilient ass bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, baby. Yeah, you know, it's, um, I learned a lot about my strength last year because I always believed myself to be a strong person and I've, I've gone through hard things and chronic illness and, um, you know, sexual trauma and whatnot. But I think for the most part, I've lived like a very privileged life and, this year tested me in ways that I never thought were possible. And also being in a relationship that pushed my boundaries and comfort level all the time. I just felt, I don't, I, if I'm being really fucking honest and I haven't said this out loud, I don't know how I got through last year and did, did in the way I did so in the way that I did. I literally don't. Because I look back at everything that happened and the amount of growth I went through, like my mom and Remy dying, that alone is like horrific, right? Like talk about tragedy and like really, really hard and gut wrenching. Also came out as bisexual, like participated in multiple threesomes, <laughs> like 
dealt with pandemic and growing a brand new business, our relationship fell all over the place all the time because there was just like so many ways we were growing and challenging and growing and challenging and like all the ups and downs. And just my own growth of my brand and trying to like find my way and my voice. And then the way the year ended with some more family drama that was just like painful and really shitty. It was just so many things. And yet here we are still standing and I've honestly never been happier. And I think I said this last year, multiple times on okay, babe, like in all of that still had never been happier. And now looking back, even still processing so many things, never been happier. And it's so wild. The, the limitations and the boundaries we place on ourselves. And when you take those away or you push through them and you realize, wow, I'm capable of so much more, right? Like this is a perfect example. I told Connor this the other day. I was at the gym the other day and my trainer, Savannah, was like, here's a small box, maybe a foot tall. You're going to step up onto it and you're going to jump when you step up. Like a jumping, like a jumping step up. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. And I don't know why, but my immediate response to that was, oh, that's a bad idea. Like that's, that's scary to me. Okay. Division one full ride scholarship athlete at USC is scared to jump on a foot high box because I'm going to like what roll my ankle fall down on a like slightly padded gym floor. I, I don't know. Right. But that was my initial response. And maybe we can talk about new year's if you want, but because of new year's, um, and that night of experience, which we'll get into, I guess. Um, I, in that moment said to myself, why is that your response? Why are you so scared of this? What if you just try it? So I was like, okay, I'm just going to try this thing. What's the worst that can happen? So I tried it and I was like, oh, this isn't that bad. So I just kept doing it and it kept getting easier and I was able to jump higher and higher and I was fine and I didn't eat shit. Had I eaten shit, I will also would have been fine and probably not even really hurt myself. But that was such a profound lesson and something that I have done over and over again, right? Like with threesomes or asking for what I want or talk, doing business stuff or talking to you. It's like this constant practice of trying something different. That's fucking scary. And just going for it and seeing what happens. I have never lived my life like this ever. Like anyone who knows me five years ago versus now I'm a completely different human. And so it's just, it's terrifying and it's exciting and it's scary and it's fun. And it allows me to see that when I push those boundaries, what's available and you've been doing this forever. And so it's kind of like second nature to you. And for me, it is really hard and it is a practice and it's what I teach about a lot because I understand what it's like to be inside a box and never push boundaries or trying and take yourself to the edge of what if. Mm. And so I feel like that has been so much of my experience. And I look back and I'm like, wow, like you, not only did you do the thing, but you fucking went for it. And yeah. I'm so proud of myself because I feel like you and I went for it in very different ways over the last year. And I'm so proud of where we are now as individuals and in our relationship. 
it like, it took a lot out of us. It was super emotionally draining and like a lot of conversations and fights and whatever. But I look at us now versus the first okay babe that we released about a year ago. And I mean, our relationship is so different. Yeah, it is. And to piggyback on that a little bit, and I don't think this is something that I don't know if I've ever said this or not, but so when Remy died, so Remy was our puppy, but he doesn't know who Remy was. Um, he was 10 months old. There was an accident. He dies, right? Both of us are just devastated. You, and then within what, six days later, somebody had bailed on a dog that they didn't want anymore that I had actually met a puppy. So we get this dog six months, six days later or so, five days later. Who's Remy's little brother. Remy's little half brother, who is <laughs> the complete opposite dog. Could never be different. But like you lost like your baby in that. I lost like my baby and my best friend. I was ruined for probably two weeks. I was like, you couldn't think useless. Like I did my, I did like, I could like get it together to do a show or something like that. But you took over raising the puppy like basically doing everything because I was just like, and there was a point where you were like, this is harder for you than it is for me. And the, it was, it felt also felt good to be recognizing that. Cause I felt like it was harder for me because we had just like me and that dog had just fucking got each other. Even you were the was, same soul. Yeah. yeah. We were the same. Like he was, and we would like, it, it, even when he was driving me crazy, which he would do on a regular basis. Like it was like how I probably drove someone crazy when I was a kid. And we were getting into hunting and we got to this point where we started like being able to communicate without words. And they's like, and then losing him. Like I was like, when the woman came in and told us what had happened, you had to talk to her. Right. Which is so hard. And like figured out I was in the fetal position on the couch, like sobbing and I didn't move like whatever. I was, I was in the middle of something on the laptop when she showed up and like, didn't even look at something for a couple of days. Like it was just so, and like for you to have to do that and then take over basically like the responsibility of a new puppy. And I'm trying to go elk hunting still, even though like every time I'd go into the woods, which by the way, is my favorite thing in the world to do. I just had no heart. Like my heart was, I had no heart for like, just that's, that's the easiest way to say it. For two months, I didn't have a heart. I couldn't feel anything. We couldn't have sex. And we didn't even try. Like it was just the, it was. The, we just laid in bed and sobbed holding each other. It and was then we'd like intermittently the, like cry back and forth. Yeah. And then you get, feel like it was better. And then it would sneak up on you. And then something would happen. It was just like, and even now it's just like, I'm just missed that little dude so much. and. You were able to like handle that. And that was also after your mother passed away. It just was so, I can't like this, the woman you've become over this last year has been really impressive to me. Babe. <laughs> I appreciate that a lot. Are you crying? Yeah, maybe a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I mean, thank you for all of that. And you know, you're, you're like such a jokester and you're so funny and you make fun of me all the time. And you know, you have like your personality, like the Connor wonders personality. I think that, and I love all of that. That's part of why I'm with you. Right. Cause that brings me out of my shell, but I think what people don't really necessarily see, although my friends see it and I love that is just how sweet and kind and well-intentioned you are and how big of a heart you have. And I, when my mom died, I was like, oh, this is the man I'm going to marry. No question. And I already knew that, but the way you showed up for me in something that was so hard, I just was like, oh, wow just a, a perfect reflection of what I knew amplified. And then when Remy died, 
I have never seen a person so broken, like so completely like on the ground, cannot function and move. And from the floor looking up at me saying, can I do anything for you? I was just like, what the fuck? Like how? And I was doing the same thing for you, but it was like, because you were asking me, I just, I looked at you through such different lenses and it was a level of vulnerability and rawness and your heart was just shattered. And yet in that difficulty, you still looked at me and you were like, baby, is there anything I can do for you? Do you want me to make you something? I, all I remember during that first week was you like forcing me to drink water. And I don't know what inside of you realized we needed to stay hydrated (laughs) during crisis. But like, I remember Connor constantly filling up glasses of water and like sharing them with me and being like, here, here's some water. I don't know why I was was very focused on water. I was focused on literally doing anything. Yeah. I mean, we built a sauna the day after because we didn't know what else to do. And we were like idle hands. We're just like going crazy. But that is you have a level of softness and kindness that I don't think most people get to see. And I feel so grateful that you choose me to be that way with, and that we get to have our babies and our dogs and they get to feel that from you. You're the sweetest dog daddy of all time. And that's, you know, you and Remy were so close and still are. I mean, I believe that he's still with us all the time. I talk to him on a daily basis. Um, that's my relationship with him, but like through him telling me of how close you were through talking to an animal medium um, and through knowing you, it was like you two truly share a soul and you are, you are the human version of (laughs) Remy. And it was just, it was so sad to see. And I know it still makes you sad. I mean, we both cry. I think once a week, one of us sheds tears over Remy. Yeah. And it, that changed you so much. And I've told your mom that privately. I've told some of my girlfriends that privately, like Connor is a different man because Remy died and I would give anything. And you know, this, I would give every single thing that we have to have him back. And at the same point, I feel like that's part of the gift that he gave us in leaving is that you, you grew and became more of yourself because he was here and left. Yeah. And that's a really hard pill to swallow. Like he made me a better person and partner and mom and all those things. Like I learned how to be because of him and he shattered you and broke you down in ways that you could become more fully yourself and that he could almost live vicariously through you in that like sweetness and playfulness and loving heart. And the way you show up now is so different. Yeah, that changed me a lot. I mean, when it happened, I remember I would go out when I was sad and like um, sit on the back step. God. It's okay. 
<laughs> Theo just came in. He heard you crying. Okay, baby. No, I'd go out on the back step and just like throw the tennis balls at the shed like we always would. Because I would, he would set so much energy, I would like have to throw the ball into the shed. So he would chase it towards the shed and then chase it the other way. So I get like double the length of the yard. <laughs> and I would just take these balls and throw them into the shed and go pick them up and then go throw them again and just like think about what it was like when he was around. <laughs> Shit fucked me up so bad. Yeah. I don't think I've ever cried on a podcast before. But yeah, it was hard. And then it was hard with Theo too. I couldn't even like, I couldn't like love him for the first while. It was just, it was weird. Well, we had to have a hard conversation in this room. And I was like, I know that you're angry and like you're angry at Theo and he didn't do anything. He's perfect. And, you know, you've called me out multiple times and that was like, one of the times where I had to be like, look, like this isn't okay. And it was, it, you knew what you were doing, but you needed someone else to like tell you it back. So it like made your experience okay. And you totally shifted after that. Like you allowed yourself to love again. And so you let Theo into your heart. And it was like, if you loved Theo, it meant that you weren't loving Remy the same. That's what it felt like to me. And it was like, you weren't ready to like close that door when in reality, you don't, you don't have to close that door, you know? Yeah. But I think that's what you were grappling with. And so you changed so much after that in the way that you play with Theo and hold him and love him and tell him he's perfect and just, you know, all of that. But yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to love after loss like that. Well, I had to like take responsibility for who Theo was like becoming, you know, yeah. and it became, instead of being like, oh, he's not Remy. He doesn't play like him. And it's like, well, maybe if I like play with him like that, maybe he will. And then now he does mm -hmm. it's like the same almost. He's yeah. Just, it's so funny. He has some, he has his own quirks. He's definitely his own, his own beast, but yeah. he's, he's like, yeah, you got more playful because I was more playful with him. And it was like stuff I didn't have to try to do with, and it's frustrating as shit. Cause I just figured this other dog out. That's like the complete he was, opposite animal. I was animal. just starting to understand him. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. And Ugh. he had like, we had, we had done so much training and so many hours of work and spent so much time, but yeah, I'll never forget that little dude. Here, we have a shrine to him in multiple spots in the house. Our <laughs> friends do. our friends are amazing, and they also just keep sending us, like, paintings and portraits and sketches. And so now we have, like, well, we have three in the in the podcast studio alone. I think there's three more upstairs, and we have a box of his toys. <laughs> yeah, he's, he will be remembered. He will be remembered. <laughs> I wear a necklace of him every day. Um, yeah, that was a lot. And I, you know... I think that, and this kind of segues into where I wanted to go next, but it's like as much as we went through really hard things last year, I saw the way that you and I show up for each other when things are hard. I think that, you know, especially 2020 showed couples, you're either going to make it or break it. it. It broke a lot of people. I think the divorce rate went up like 300%, right? And I get that because I have said this and I do believe this, that if you and I had been in LA still in that apartment, I don't think we would have stayed together. Just the energetics of LA too. At that yeah. Time. Like it would have been would be so really rough. bad. And so that's part of it. But I think that, yeah, I talked to a lot of my friends about this just being in gratitude for you because it was in and through tragedy that you and I grew closer. Yeah. And that amazes me. And I don't know how we figured out 
He's carrying his collar around. Did you take it off and then put it on the floor? I took it off so he wouldn't make any noise. And now he's carrying it around, jingling it all over the place. Let me grab it. And, um, geez. Um, but it was like the way we showed up for each other in those really hard moments is what created such a deep foundation for our relationship. And I think you and I thought we had it going on really well before that. And then it totally blew it up and reconfigured the entire thing. And it asked of us, are you going to show up or not? And how are you going to respond? And what are you going to do? And how is this going to look? And how are you going to renegotiate the relationship that you thought this was? Yeah. I mean, also different too, because it was like, I think one of the good things that came out of it was that we didn't have as many opportunities to be kind of enmeshed in each other's life and work and all this, like we just do different things now. We have our, like in the Venn diagram, there's definitely a lot of overlap, but we very much have like our own things going on. And mm-hmm. when it's like not threatening to one another either, which is really, really nice. And it's not competitive necessarily. I always talk shit because you have more Patreons and Patreon subscribers than me, but like, but it's like, it's fun. It's like a fun, playful banter. Not like a, like being in a competitive relationship is weird. And it's like, if we were doing the same thing and like somebody's numbers were doing, but it's like that stuff does like weigh on us and we don't have to like, just don't have to deal with that anymore, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is so nice. Yeah. We're in different spaces now and that feels good. And I, I, and our relationship wasn't reliant upon us being in the same space. Mm -hmm. I think that's a, that's, that's a big important thing too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that it would have been a lot harder had you continued on in what you were doing. But I think now there's such a nice separation and also overlap like we can do this show and it makes sense you know it's not like weird although maybe some people at home think it's weird but i think think it's part of the appeal yeah so i would love to know in terms of the dynamics of freedom and play in our relationship how you see that has changed over the last six and eight months (laughs) well i think we were just so like we already had, you know, kind of expanded boundaries as far as like what we were, what we were down to do, what we wanted to do, what we like brought into the relationship. I think because we were just stuck together so much, we were just like, it became like our recreational activity to like flex with, like fuck with it a little bit. You know what I mean? Like see how flexible we were in those areas. And it, even if it was just like conversational or whatever, also we were just stuck together too. So our sex life kind of suffered in that as well because there wasn't enough like polarization, especially once hunting season was over and I wasn't gone for, cause when I leave for yeah, five days, I really miss you being gone. I know <laughs> when I leave for five days, I come back like, and it, cause you, you're, I mean, I'll listen to an audio book, right? So I'll have like one AirPod in and I'll, if I'm hiking in, so I can still hear what's going on. But if I'm not hunting, I'm like, listen to an audio book or do whatever. But most of the time you're just by yourself. I go to sleep at 7 PM and I lay in the tent and hopefully I'm not like, you know, my, like hopefully my mattress doesn't deflate. Like it did that one time where I feel like I'm rolling off a, off a cliff all night yeah. and I wake up being thinking I'm falling, you know? Um, <laughs> Wish you could see me in there, by the way. It's like such a little shit show. Um, it's super fun though. And, uh, but when we, when that was over, it's like, okay, we're just in this together. Like we, we got to keep going. And it's like, we started doing, I think it made us, I think we, we progressed like three years as far as like what we were open to like beyond that, that year. Right. Because we were so much like, we didn't have a choice. It's like, we gotta, let's just play around with this because fuck like life is Either one, it's like so stressful and chaotic that it's just not even, it's hard. Like I have to live in that. Right. So I've got to like, I, I, it's chosen, right. I choose to live in the chaos and the fucking the darkness of the world and speak about it. Um, and you're also in the, on the other end of that dealing with the people who are having a really hard time or very, like life is just very heavy right now and uncertain and scary. 
So on both ends of the spectrum, like I'm talking about the things that are making the people that you work with stressed out mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and heavy, right? Mm-hmm. So we're, like we're taking it from both sides. So in our relationship, it needs to be like minimal heaviness outside of tragedy or something going on. We had to start opening things up. And like, it was so funny the other day. I thought this was so tripped me out because we had talked about OnlyFans mm-hmm. and I'd never subscribed to OnlyFans. And we've talked about it on the show. Like I don't watch porn. Like porn's not my thing. You do sometimes, not for me. Never really just, it just, it's not like I, it's not a moral thing. I don't think it's a problem. It just doesn't get me going. So it's like, that's not where I spend my time. So I subscribed to this OnlyFans just to see what OnlyFans was about. And it was somebody that we had like talked about on Instagram before. It was like $5. I'm like, all right, I'll jump in here and just see what this is about. And I was looking at it when you were gone, you were at dinner at a friend's house. And I was like, uh, I was like, oh, I want to watch these with you. And it like didn't trigger you at all, which was funny because like two weeks before I've been like, this girl is really hot. And you like lost your fucking mind. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? but now you want to watch her do a striptease for us on, on, the, on my phone. <laughs> but it was one of those things that was really, it was really interesting. And it was, I think there's a weird, something worth exploring there where it's like me saying that like there was, I don't know what it was going on at the time, but like there was this zero sum game as if like her being hot made you less hot or meant like, I only have so much like hot energy I can, I can like <laughs> express and that, which is not at all the case in my situation anyways, but it was like, and, she, and you're like, well, you're like, you never talked about me like that. And I'm like, but this person isn't like, this person is a person very much so, but like, that's their brand. That's what they do. I don't know them. If I knew, is it also funny too? Cause if I knew that person, I probably wouldn't think they were as attractive because it's like not, it's a, it's a pure objectification. Right? right. And that's what they're asking for. They're not like get to know me on a deep level. That's not what they're put. That's not what their brand was. So mm-hmm. it's like, I didn't feel bad. Like that's what someone's putting out there. Mm-hmm. And it was this funny moment where I was like, wow, that changed a lot in like four days. <laughs> Well, and I think that we've talked about this before. I need, I need to be introduced to something. I need to be able to panic and be irrational about it. And then I need to be able to come back around. I need that. Like, yeah. I don't know why that's a thing. It happens in our, in our, when we have fights, I'll get upset with you 20 minutes later, I come downstairs and I'm like, I'm really sorry. Da, 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 da. I need time to reflect and ask myself what the fuck I'm panicking about because I have such deep seated insecurity and fear. And I know that about myself, but I have to be able to look at it. I can't, my initial response is I'm in it. I'm in my insecurity and I'm in my fear. But if you give me 20 minutes or a week and a half in this case, and I can zoom out from it and be like, oh, that's that thing happening. Oh, right. Like, I don't need to do that anymore. This is safe. I'm good. Then I can have a completely different response to it and be like, yeah, "Yeah, that's sexy. I want to do that. But usually too, when I panic, it's because I'm curious about it or interested in it. And I freak out that I am. Well, it's also funny because it was like I, the person I'd even said that about, I said that to you on purpose intentionally. Cause I knew you would be into them. Mm-hmm. Like I know your type, right? right. And like the, sh- the way that they were doing their photo shoots, like these right. boudoir style, like really artsy, really sexy, like artsy photo shoots. So I was mm-hmm. like, that's very similar to the ones that you would do with Sam. Right. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, this is like obviously your vibe. Right. So I was like putting that out there. And then I was like, well, this is not the response I expected at all. Yeah. Well, I was also having a really hard week. So I want to talk about New Year's. Yeah. I was going to circle back to that. But before we do that, I want to just make uh, an observation in that I feel like our relationship got so much better over the last year because especially when we were doing somatic therapy and I was really understanding my bisexuality and interest in women and like starting to have threesomes with you and still understanding boundaries and like what you're about and still learning to trust you in certain ways. Cause I kept believing like, he's going to leave me. He's going to leave me. I feel like 
we kind of lifted a lot of pressure off and the intensity and the drama and the um, like seriousness of it, it lifted and it wasn't something that was consuming me anymore. So then I could be fun with it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that's accurate? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Okay. So New Year's without getting into like too much detail and the whole thing, basically we were in Austin. We got invited to this party. We knew a few people there, not everyone, but it, we were so excited to like go somewhere without masks on with a bunch of people who had had tests. I had a test the day before. Um, like we knew we were safe. Everything was fine. There was maybe 20 people. It was at a house and we got to dress up and we were like, praise baby Jesus. Right. I was so excited. I had kept talking to some girlfriends of mine being like, I just need to dance. I kind of want to just do Molly and dance. Like I just need to let loose. This has been the fucking hellish year and I need to go. So we get there and I immediately walk in the door and just feel myself tightening. And I'm like, what is this? And I was so excited to meet so many people there. They're like people I had been stalking on Instagram, people that you had told me about. And I was like, these are my people. This is going to be so awesome. And I don't know. I mean, I do know now, but at the time I was like, I don't know what's going on, but this is not enjoyable for me. I had a very small amount of mushrooms and I was just shut down and I didn't want to dance. I didn't feel connected. I felt very like outside the experience and it just wasn't that fun to me. I was like, I kind of wanted to leave before midnight because I'm like, this is just not what I want to be doing. We get in the car and you say, and also you had been doing drugs too. Not that much, but like, you know what I mean? And you look at me and you're like, what's going on? Like, what was that about? And I immediately lose my fucking shit. Crying, so upset. We get back to the house and I have what felt like a complete panic attack. And I was wailing, crying. And so two things were happening for me. One. I had an opportunity to have fun and let loose and be playful. And I got scared. I was scared to be that person. I was scared to not be super put together. I was scared of what people might think of me. And I was scared to be out of control. So that was happening. While at the same time, I was having a full-blown meltdown around my family and feeling abandoned and not having Christmas with my parents. and just dealing with a lot of things and feeling so alone and not safe. And so I was processing both of those things at the same time. And I feel like my body and my nervous system and my emotional capacity, it had like reached its limit and it was like, we're done. Like we can't do this anymore. And so I just completely shut down. Um, So that's where I was. Yeah. Yeah. But the funny thing was, so the, where things started like getting tense with me and you is like, I started realizing cause I was on what, like a half a gram of mushrooms maybe. So I was like, I was like started realizing and I was like, I'm going to have to have a conversation about what's happening right now. How do I do it without causing anybody be upset or like, I don't want to deal with like crying and tears. Like this isn't worth all that. But at the same time, and this is like something we need to talk about is 
the first thing you said when I like brought it up, but I was like immediately was like, this is going the exact direction. I did not want it to go as far as like the emotional response. I was like, I just wanted to talk about this. Like this is not what I was trying to get into, which is a very guy thing to say. Um, Cause it brought up all the stuff was like, you kept talking about being unsafe and I'm like, there was zero unsafe about, there was literally a room you could go into that was to get away from stimulation mm-hmm. that was safe. And the people there were just like trustworthy people. Totally. Like it's not like, and I've been, for me, I've, I've been in situations that were unsafe and were kind of predatory and there was a lot of drugs going around, like more than an uncomfortable amount of like different, you know, different substances and like guys that were like kind of preying on that. that, that and this, it makes that makes me super uncomfortable. So to me, that's my context for like, that's unsafe. Right. Mm-hmm. And people getting into things that they later regret, like just weird shit. And it's, it feels really gross. Right. That was like it was none of that. Mm-hmm. Right. So to me, it was like this unsafeness isn't about the experience we were just in, not to project what I, it was just, it was just so far away from unsafe, regardless of what you were doing. Even if you were having a really hard time at a meltdown, like no one in that place is going to judge you. Like, and it was, yeah. it was very clear that that was the situation. So to me, it was like, this isn't like something else is going on here. And I was trying to get to what that was because I could feel it on you. I could feel like your tension. And I'm like, what are you like tense about? I mean, it's kind of cold out here, but like other than that, yeah. that's kind of, that's it. The, the, the list, the most uncomfortable thing about this place is the fact that it's like 45 degrees. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's true. So it was, and that's yeah, but it all had to happen the way it did, but it was really, really interesting for me. Cause I was just, I never have like picked up on you like that before being like, this is out of, this isn't just, this is out of character, but you're also, you've been, you were, you've been working through so many things and I understand that. And you were kind of called me out for not being compassionate about that. And I was like, no, I mean, I get it, but like, it just, it was, it just seemed, all of it seemed like it was in imba- like it was imbalances all inside of you somewhere that were not, not chemical imbalances, yeah. just like emotional imbalances. Like either something was soaking up all of your emotional energy that you weren't letting on and I didn't know about. Which or, we realized the next day. Cause I explained yeah. to you. And yeah, that made total sense. Yeah. Of course. And like clear minds and, right. and stuff like that. Um, which it made a ton of sense, but it was definitely like, that's all I wanted to get to. Right. We just had to get through it in a very like messy way. Mm-hmm. It was real. It was super interesting. Yeah. It, weird, weird way to start the year. Not what I expected. Not what I was hoping for by any means, but I just felt like that had to happen because, you know. Well, I think you need to be honest with yourself about what you were, the I level, <laughs> the level at which you were. And I, struggling. I don't, and I don't mind being like the fucking punching bag for that realization. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, I don't think you were the punching bag. I, know, but I think was, too, you know, and just to be, to- let's just be totally transparent with people. Like, I feel like there were some things that were going like being left unsaid between us and that provided a space for us to speak that. And that includes having a kid this year. Oh yeah. Like that conversation alone was worth every bit of that 24 hours of shit. Yeah. Not even 24 hours, like 12, 18 hours of shit because that felt like a lot of pressure and a lot of fear and a lot of angst. That Which we I was were, in denial about, by the way. I know you It wasn't were. like I was like consciously suppressing anything. It just, that was just like, this is where I'm at with this, you know? Yeah. And then I shared my feelings about it. And then we actually ended up being on the exact same page. Yeah. But we were going, we were leaving things on the table and we weren't saying them. And it was just kind of like this stuff and like some things that were, creating resentment or misunderstanding. And I think that we did such a great job of navigating that and being radically honest. Mm -hmm. And even the way, you know, I talk about this a lot and it's something that I always work through just this fear of 
being abandoned and the way I felt abandoned through loss this last year made that more prevalent. And you, you've never flat out said to me, I'm not going anywhere. And you (laughs) finally said those words and that mattered a lot to me. And I didn't say that to you then, but I'm telling you now that was a really important sentence for you to say to me because I know your personality, not that I think you're going to go like cheat on me or leave me or whatever, but there is a deep ingrained wound within me. And so knowing your personality, I get scared. And for you to say like, I love our life. I love you. I'm not going anywhere. Would you please stop like throwing that out there? And I was like, oh, okay. Now it doesn't mean that we're going to be together forever and shit could possibly happen. Like I get that. But you just acknowledging that and saying that out loud meant more to me than I think you realized. Yeah, probably. It was, I mean, yeah. I don't feel like it's one of those things you don't think needs to be said. Right. Or that you're also, it's also an uncomfortable thing to say because like, what if something happens? You know what I mean? Like there's a million, like relationships aren't, aren't bulletproof. You no, know what I mean? of course. And we've talked about that. Yeah. And we're not in delusion about that either. But at the same time, it's like, I was like, what the fuck do you think is going to happen? <laughs> like, I'm just going to fucking leave. Like, what does make any sense at all? Like, why would I bet? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Well, I think because last year we got in a lot of arguments and a couple of them resulted in you looking for apartments and us being like, maybe we shouldn't be together. And but that happened like twice in our relationship so far yeah but they were like were really profound big blow-up moments but yeah and also it was like yeah for sure but there was a lot going on there was and so outside, I'm not outside saying, of like our relationship there was a lot going on that was like yeah and i'm not saying they were wrong yeah. or anything i'm just saying that given those experiences and the way my personality and brain works i think that it was very valuable and important that you say that yeah. just the way it's important to you that i verbally and energetically give you freedom and don't like try and make you something or try and change you. The way I give you freedom is the way I need you to give me stability. Damn. I just had that fucking realization (laughs) on the podcast. I need to write that shit down on my journal. The way I give you freedom is the way I need you to give me stability. Makes sense. Which is interesting because I'm the stability and you're the freedom in the relationship. Yes. Hmm. Weird. Yins and yangs and such. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How long have you been recording? An hour and two minutes. Wow. Okay. Well, I don't want this to go on forever, but I would love, I think I've said that seven times in this podcast. Sorry. I, for, I forgot love, how to record. Kelly? I forgot how to record with I'm, you. I'm straight crushing it right now. You are straight crushing it. <laughs> I am really excited for this year because I think that you and I, got a lot of shit out of the way. Yeah. A lot of the noise, a lot of the chaos, a lot of the miscommunication, a lot of the fear out of the way so that we could finally start living and like being in a relationship. And I think we got years and years of shit moved. Yeah. And so I'm really excited to see what this becomes and how it blossoms and grows and continues to evolve. Because I think that for People who communicate the way we do and challenge one another and are open to growth, the sky's the limit for the play and the fun and the pleasure and the success that you can create as individuals and in a relationship. And so I think that this is really 
even with everything happening in the world, I feel very confident in our ability to evolve through it and make new choices and see what else is out there and not be confined to what we think we're supposed to be doing or just doing what everyone else is doing. Hi. <laughs> Do you have an outlook for the year, Connor? Um, I was hoping you would like understand to segue into your outlook for 2021, but I'll just be over here reminding you. <laughs> my outlook for 2021. Would uh, you put me on the spot again? I was expecting to finish it with that. That was such a great. That was such a great monologue to finish the finish the show. Okay, well we can stop. Are you gonna? You want me to? You want me to talk about? Uh... No. <laughs> okay. Let me see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love you. I don't know. I have nothing to say. I feel like I said it all. Okay. <laughs> Connor, thanks Wait, for well, bringing back Okay Babe with me. Yeah, I'm stoked for this. This is going to be really fun. To Thanks do this for year. being awkward when I put you on the spot again. It's cute. It's going to be edited out. No one's going to see no, that. No, we're leaving it. No, you I'm can't telling do her. No, don't do that. That's bullshit. <laughs> That's some bullshit. You leave all my crying in there too? Obviously. Oh, the whole thing? Yes. Oh, God. Love you, baby. Bye. <laughs>